0: All right, my
1: friends. How's that sound, John? I'll like, give him a second. It's a little Yeah. There we go. Oh my goodness. We're here. We're not at the varsity. I mean, we're not at the, the Arboretum, right? I don't know about you guys, but uh, uh, I was looking forward to being in what we call affectionately the Shire. Uh, last couple of years, if you're new with us, we've been meeting outdoors at the uh, Arboretum in the summertime, and we affectionately call it church in the Shire, hence what you've been seeing on the screen this morning.
0: Um hey, but uh, yeah time by time July food december.
1: That's it my friend. That's right. We're in attempt to be back there next week and like Ricky said all the way through June, May and June. Um, but we uh, are here at the varsity and I'm so thankful for you guys. Uh, we, we had a little call for rain and we just want to make sure that we hey, did not get trapped in that. Yeah,
0: now, hurricane season. Hurricane season. Mm-hmm. A hurricane season, I want to call 2023 for June through November.
1: Okay, yeah, there you go, my friend. Hurricane season starts in June through November. We got to appreciate that, Ricky. I thank you so the much children, but, yeah. Yeah.
0: Papa, Papa, be yeah. rain and yeah. Go out, try, fall
1: on his out. That's right. we got to be careful, don't we? Appreciate that, Ricky. Thank you so much for caring for us and sharing that, buddy. I really appreciate that. Uh, we're going to get going a little bit here. More of it, Ricky. I want your input in a little bit, buddy. Sound good? Yes. All right. Oh, man. So good. So hey, I, since we're not in the Shire today, I, you know, at least got to bring, bring the Shire to us. I uh, have, a, have, a, have a Lord of the Rings joke for you. So what do you call an orc that sings? An orchestra. Come on, come on, Lord of the Rings dad joke of the morning, check, yes. All right, all right, we're seriously, there you go, I got to, oh man, thank you Stan, Stephen, there you go, comedy hour has begun. Um, <laughs> but today, actually, today is a very, very important day in the global church calendar. Today, this Sunday, we celebrate what's called Ascension Sunday. This is the, this is the day we celebrate the ascension of Jesus after the resurrection, after the death on the cross, and after his life and ministry. So Ascension Sunday is an opportunity for us to both uh, celebrate and understand that both the position of Jesus in power, of the right hand of the Father ascended to the throne, and also the commissioning of his followers. So just as we read this morning, Amanda did so gratefully, leading us in the Apostles' Creed, where it says we, he ascended into heaven. This is something that we believe as followers of Jesus. Um, A pastor, theologian, and all around just a great guy, Mr. N.T. Wright, known to Bob Stocking as his friend. So if it's Bob's friend, if Bob's my friend, then he's a friend of a friend. Uh, He shared this week, uh, I really loved it. He expressed about ascension of Jesus. He says, if Easter is about Jesus as the prototype of the new creation, his ascension is about his enthronement as the one who is in charge. Easter tells us that Jesus is himself the first part of the new creation. His ascension tells us that he is running it now. This is important. Even though uh, at this moment, as we speak, as we sit here, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in position of power. And from this place, he is reigning today. Now, before we get going, I just also want to be sensitive to those that may be in this room. Uh, or watching online, Uh, if this is something uh, you're you're curious about Jesus, you're just kind of investigating there's gonna be a lot of language about today about what uh, is to follow Jesus. I also just want to acknowledge that we're not speaking over you, but it's something for you to learn today. And for those of you who consider yourself a follower of Jesus, whether that is new or you've been doing it for a long time, there is a lot here for us to be understanding what it is to follow Jesus today if you guys don't mind, uh, let's pray together. Let's, let's just bring the Holy Spirit into this space. Jesus, you are king. You, over all things, we worship you today in submission to your loving rule over our lives. We ask you to work in our hearts today to lead us to the people, places, and positions you are calling us to bring your message of redemption. Reign over our lives to lead us through the pain and troubles we experience to find hope in you, to guide us as you have complete control over everything. Be our king. We serve you as we learn to trust you in your power. You are sovereign over us in your goodness and love. Amen. Amen. Again, Ascension Sunday. We celebrate and understand that Jesus is at the right hand. This is the second person of the Trinity. In the Holy of Holies, in full glory. So as we celebrate the kind of marks of Jesus's life throughout the year, we have Christmas where we celebrate his incarnation, God himself coming down fully God and fully man, both feet on the ground in mission with our society and our world. And then we celebrate and we understand the death and sacrifice on the cross. And then on Easter Sunday we celebrate the risen king, the one who conquered death and sin and now the ascension of God back to the throne. This is an important day. I know it doesn't get a lot of the uh, additional holiday celebrations, but it is important for us to understand that Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, this is an important part of Scripture. Throughout the Old Testament, there is a common understanding that the position of the right hand was a position of power and authority. So this is where Jesus sits today. This Jesus, who is both fully God and fully man, humanity is now seated at the right hand of the Father because of Jesus. He is seated there as a servant, as a humble person who came to this world and experienced everything we have. He experienced grief as a young child losing his father at some point, in his, his worthy father at some point in his life. He understands that. He also experienced what it's like to take a first step or to try a new food or to experience love, and to experience friendships, to experience betrayal, and joy, and happiness. He experienced, it all. And this is who is sitting at the right hand of the Father in a position of authority. This is something important to understand for us who follow Jesus. But he's not sitting at this position in a position of rest. And we love that. Because God is a missional God, continually seeking after His creation to bring redemption to everything. Paul in Romans 8.34 expresses what Jesus is doing. He says, who is it to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, but who indeed intercedes for us. This active king is sitting in a position of readiness, actively reaching out through the spirit to his creation. So what, the, what does this mean, this intercessive position? That's the way we can ex- explain it from our understanding in our culture is he's like a lawyer. He's in that position of when the accusations come, this person has done this wrong. The, the, the lawyer, the intercessor steps in and says, hey, ask for forgiveness. We ask forgiveness for this. And guess what? The unique part of this, this lawyer is, also has the power to say, but, even though there's a penalty deserved for this action, for this heart, I have already paid the penalty, so therefore it is done. It is null and void. This is the position that Jesus is. This is why the ascension and the position of where he is is so important. He is in that position of an intercessor. It's like you get, a, you get pulled over for a speeding ticket. You're going 100 miles an hour over. You know you've done the wrong. You know the penalty is coming, and... Jesus steps over and he takes the ticket and rips it up and says, it's okay, I've already paid this penalty. But then he also works in our lives through the Holy Spirit and transforms our hearts so we don't go 100 miles an hour anymore and break the speed limit. But if we do, he's still there. That penalty has been paid. This is Jesus. This is his mission. Again, for the redemption of all creation. Look at it this way. The incarnation, life, work, death, resurrection, appearances, The commission of the disciples, ascension to the Father, and descent of the Holy Spirit are continuous integrated factors in the divine mission of human redemption. This is God. This is his mission. It has been since the beginning. It flows out of everything he is. We see it throughout scripture. Starting in Genesis 1, right in the beginning, we have let us make humankind in our image. And this Father, Son, Holy Spirit dynamic in creative, communal, loving, generous way, everything spills out from it. But when everything goes wrong, what does he do? He goes after Imanite. He goes after humanity. And begins the redemption story. He did not give up. And about the story in Genesis 12, he takes another little shift, a little pivot, and we enter into these covenants with Abraham, where he introduces through Abraham's seed. He says, I see something in you, and I'm going to work through you to bring redemption through the whole world. It's going to start with your family, and it's going to spread to a nation of Israel. And that's where I'm going to first do my work, and from there it's going to spill to the rest of the world. Then through Jesus, then Jesus comes, God himself, two feet on the ground, because he love could not hold him back, stepping into that redemption story. So this is important because Jesus, God himself, is in mission. He is mission. This paradigm from creation, we see the Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit sends the church. And my friends, we are the church. That is us. We are sent in mission just as God came down himself. We are sent in mission as well. That's how, we, that's how we understand that. Uh, John mentioned earlier in worship that we're going to walk through the book of Acts. Acts is just a beautiful book where it tells us the beginning of the days of the church. Well, let's work here. We're going to work in Acts 1, 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, Theophilus, it's a cool name, right? I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up into heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, whom he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promises of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, not for many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, this is, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will, not, you will be my witnesses
0: in Jerusalem,
1: in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and in a cloud t- took him out of the, their sight. When he was going, and they were gazing up, up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This is Jesus, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There's a little bit of a narrative, a long reading there, but thank you for bearing with me. But here's the importance in understanding the history of Acts. First, uh, this story that we just read, the Ascension story, is found throughout all the Gospels. Uh, it's in various forms, some out of more detail than others. Even uh, Luke is considered the author of Acts. Even in his book of Luke, he actually has this part, it's just very small, and he continues it right here in Acts. Both Matthew and Mark add some additional details expressing uh, the commissioning of the apostles to preach the gospel to all the world, to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've been around churches or read the scripture, you probably have heard that and seen that quite often. If you've been to a baptism, that is why we say we were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the same story, but it's being picked up here in the book of Acts. Luke is setting up this narrative that's going to go throughout the entire book. So he's setting up this space, uh, which is important to understand, because the, uh, what he expresses right there in the beginning that Jesus is expressing through the Holy Spirit the instructions to the apostles. Uh, Often people often try to uh, understand the naming of the book of Acts, which is officially called the Acts of the Apostles. We love this sometimes around here, express it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. As you read Acts, you'll see it is all about the Holy Spirit. But maybe even add another layer, just looking into the scripture, that uh, maybe it's more the Acts of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to everyone else, to the church. But what we see here in the early part is important. What Jesus is talking about is 40 days after the resurrection, the resurrected, embodied Jesus still on earth, walking with the disciples. He is speaking of two things. One, the kingdom of God, and the other, the spirit of God. These happen to be very, very important things because this is the, the point uh, after the cross, after the resurrection. This is the focal point that he's been teaching and working on. Now he's passing it on to his followers. This redemption story, this plan is going to go forward. It's going to go on through his disciples, the apostles, and they're going to spread it throughout the world to us today. That's why it's important for us. But first, he says, go to Jerusalem and wait. And then when you get there, what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to come upon upon you, You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is their instructions. And upon these hearing these instructions, they kind of ask a question. And a lot of people love to analyze this question. This is kind of where we're going to sit today. They asked, they said, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Just a real quick here. um, This passage has been used um, in many ways um, throughout history to kind of create some different narratives. And I don't want to spend too much time in that, what those others are, but I feel like we need to kind of hit that little spot before we move on. But uh, a couple popular ones, and, and and. you know, you can, you can interpret them in that way, and I'm going to kind of add a third option here. Um, but one is that maybe the disciples are still naive. They still don't get it. So they're asking Jesus, when is this all going to come to an end? When are you going to do this today? And then his response maybe feel more dodging, like, I, you know, I, I'll tell you later, right? Let's, let's stay in this space. I think about with my son, a lot of times he, he's in that stage, he's eight years old, he asks questions all the time, big questions. But he, he still loves to ask the questions two seconds before he's getting out of the car to go to school, like, you know, what's the meaning of life? Two seconds, give me the answer. And, you know, as a father, like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but let's go on. You know, there's, there's an expression that maybe this is what's kind of happening. I'm not so sure, because what we do see is, is also uh, Luke is presenting, you know, a little bit of a narrative prior to that, that they spent 40 days in teaching with the risen Jesus, uh, talking specifically about the kingdom of God, They spent two or three years prior uh, learning and growing, and we see throughout Scripture there was definitely a learning process uh, that they experienced. But I think by now they kind of got something. Uh, We're going to talk about that in a second. But uh, another option uh, and that is often used, and this is the one I really want to kind of hit, um, this passage is a lot of times used in in more of a political position or maybe a dispensational position type of a role. And I think it's important to kind of hit that. Uh, They use this as um, that the kingdom of God is about power and position. And a lot of times it is used uh, to say that we must seek power. Uh, You may hear this in a lot of our political narratives today, the ones, uh, those political parties that love to kind of blend Christianity in with power um, seeking adoption. Uh, A lot of times, this type of a passage is used in that space, and I really don't think that's what's being communicated. I really don't. Again, kind of that space where they're learning and growing, and they are asking what's next. But in trying to kind of add another option, another option is that the disciples actually knew exactly what he was saying and what he was asking. But looking in the Jewish context, and I want to explain this with Scripture. This is something that I've learned in the last couple of years, that Scripture is written for us, but not always directly to us. And so we have to look at, it. we kind of sometimes shrink down a little bit the context of the passage. And looking at this particular passage, Luke, who is the author, is writing to a Jewish audience. So there's some understandings of the Jewish culture. These are the people reading it. And then these are also Jewish men talking to (coughs) Jesus, who is Jewish. There was a common understanding that, as I mentioned earlier, the seed of Abraham would bring forth Israel, and the redemption of the world will start in Israel and spread out. It would make sense, because they ask, God, when when will you restore Israel? Saying that when are you going to restore the world, but we know it's going to start there, because that's the position that they're in. So I just want to add that as a position there, that that they knew exactly what they're talking about, and some of the other stuff, and this is not a a power grab, this is not a a place or a, a... a point where Jesus is saying, go take over the world? No, it's bringing, ushering this new kingdom of God, this upside-down kingdom that is humble, that is meek, that sees the unseen, that loves the unloved, that sees the forgotten, and brings them into place of stature, which makes way more sense. Because then we're going to look at Jesus' response. And this is very important. He clears up at least any kind of mistakes or misunderstandings, both in the nature of the kingdom and in relationship to the kingdom and the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, it's not for you to know. It's more maybe a response of a timeline. You can think of it that way. If they understand what the meaning is, he's like, you know, guys, it's not for you to know. My father knows the play by play, the step by steps, the times, the dates, the timelines. That's for him to know. And I got thinking about that. It's just kind of beautiful. Um, we have to experience things to understand them and to grow within them. If, uh, Chris and I love talking about sports in the lobby, man. We, are, we you know, many of you are too. But you know, if, if I came to Chris and I said, Chris, you know, the game tonight's going to happen, and I already know all the plays, let me tell you all the things. You know, why would you watch it? What, what would that experience be like? I think there's a part of of really relaying or really experiencing that experience. But what he is expressing is not for you to know the step by step play, the blueprint, but you are up to bat. And the game is about to begin, okay? Uh, so in this journey, there's, he's expressing uh, where we fit in. Where does humanity fit in? In this commission. Uh, the other gospels use this as the great commission as a title. Uh, this commissioning of the gospel. Jesus directs them to take the message to everyone. To teach them to do the same things that they had learned, that they had grown from over the last two or three years. This message is to take to the world. This upside-down kingdom, this place where the forgotten are seen, as we talked about earlier. But he also says you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. What is this power? This power from the Holy Spirit is not something that comes from us. It comes from God. This power to be more efficient at disciple-making, if we're going to attach the other narratives this power uh, is to do things outside of ourselves, to step into places that, um, that we can say words that we didn't even sure we, what we were going to say because the Holy Spirit is guiding us. I love in 1 Corinthians, Paul kind of leads a little bit of what the power of the Spirit actually does. I, I encourage you to read it. Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, where he speaks of the Holy Spirit bringing power upon the apostles and the followers of Jesus and giving wisdom. The utterance of knowledge, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, and interpretations. These positions of this power coming from God into these places, not a power that comes from within us, but comes through the Holy Spirit with us. It's important to understand, in this moment, God is saying, Jesus is saying, that the mission is about humanity and rest of creation, but it also is with humanity for all of creation. The humans are not just the goal, but they're part of the mission for a full reconciliation of everything. So the Spirit comes and it dwells upon them to do the work. So it's power, not this is power not given, but it's power shared in this position with God to restore all of creation. That's so important, it's so exciting. And also knowing that when we go into places and opportunities where we get to share what God has done in our lives, we know we're doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not alone, and he will guide us in what to say and what to do. And all we have to do is just rely on him and allow him to guide us. But then he says, he goes on, so you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to go and you're going to be what? You're going to be witnesses. Witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are to be witnesses. And this is a very specific term. Jesus is really narrowing down our role. And this is very important because notice he's not saying you're to be the judges. You're not supposed to be the soldiers. You're not supposed to be the policing. We're to be witnesses. What does that mean? A witness is a person that stands on the stand that shares only what they know, only what they've experienced and what is within them. This is personal. This is a personal space. We're not to say you must do this, you must do that. No, it's to share. Oh, here is what God has done. Even if it is the smallest thing, even if it is day one, we are in a position to share what God has done in us, and only that. We are supposed to be, um, you know, this, but this witness to the ends of the earth, to wherever it might go. Oh, sorry, catching my notes here. So this could come look in as like, uh, you know, yeah, obviously different forms of like preaching, like I'm doing right now, it could be teaching in like a Bible study or in a, uh, a small group with friends, but also be just sharing with those that we come in contact with in our day-to-day lives. And also sharing with those that we do not see or do not know, that we know that do need Jesus. Anyone willing to hear, that's who we're supposed to share to. But we only share what we know and what we have. And this is our call, to be a witness, to experience, or to share the only experiences that we know. So from there, the disciples are told to go to Jerusalem. This is for them as local. This is the place where the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. Uh, next we'll probably discuss a little more of that. But, um, but he's, they're told to go local first, and then out. And this is important. So he kind of gives a blue, little bit of a blueprint of the progress. So for us, for you and I, who are not Jewish, who are not in this time period, in this time frame, what does that mean? Well, for us is to step into the places where we are now. To start where we are, but with a mission to go out from there. Remembering that the Holy Spirit has our backs and is with us.
0: We are commissioned in a mission to
1: start local, and it's going to spread from there. To kind of create a ground zero. Where's ground zero for you today? Where is the place that you should be to start sharing? Maybe it's your family maybe your co-workers, the people that you interact with, it can sometimes be simple. I want to do this today. Imagine the walls of the church, us, are like fire. Spreading at the edges of all creation. Burning with warmth and light. Instead of a boxed-in safe zone, kind of a bubble, but as we are the church, we go out, we stretch out from the walls, and we seek out the places where Jesus is not. What does that look like in such a globalization society where our phones can talk to someone in Australia right now if we wanted to? What does that look like for the, for the apostles in this period to go out when it says that to Samaria, to Judea, to the ends of the earth, For them, was these very specific locations, if you read Acts, it actually is spelled out throughout that. But what does that mean for us? Where we can touch the other side of the world, we can touch societies and cultures with just a click of our thumb on a phone. What does it look like? Oftentimes this is expressed as, yes, there is positions for us to physically go to places that may not know Jesus. I don't want to, like, subvert over that. If you're feeling a calling in that, you know there's a place and a country of people. Go. Go. But I also want to kind of like small it down a little bit. Because the world is getting so big, we have to kind of work in the the kind of the smaller lanes, in the crevices where Jesus is not comfortable. Where is that in our society? The Barna uh, study, uh, Christian research study, uh, has been reporting, as a few others as well, that the, there is a, a severe decline in the United States of people who actively are Christian. And their questioning base for this data is simple. Do you pray every day? Do you read your Bible? And do you actively consider yourself following the ways of Jesus? We have gone in the year 2000, about 45% of people would say yes to that. We were down to about 25% a couple of years ago, and it's still shrinking.
0: Now you may think, okay, this is,
1: this is like a big red alert. Sure, it is. But what it also can look like is an opportunity. <clears throat> it's an opportunity to meet more people where they are. Let's look at our society. For any of us today to walk out into the street and say, I am Christian, I am going to be honest with you. When I say that, and I say I'm a follower of Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to get back. Are we just being honest and real today? It is not sometimes in certain uh, pools of life, in certain places and communities, where if we share these things, and we say that, we have to say, I'm not that Christian. I'm this kind of a Christian. We have to kind of And that is in our society and there's a place for us that to speak into that space for sure. Those who have chosen to kind of marry Christianity with their politics in in pursuit of power is a true pandemic of not just our country but throughout the world. It is spreading. But when we simplify and we come down to just the Scripture and just the Holy Spirit, we have to look at it this very differently. We can need to navigate the world in not seeking for power, but to show the world that the power is in humility and love and kindness and grace for folks. This is our opportunity to walk into those spaces. It may look different. And you may have to kind of prove yourself, and sometimes we have to walk in and it's not boasting on the street corner, but it's coming in and you learn loving others. You show them what it's like to love your enemy and not to go after them. We show them what it's like, just what peace looks like in a situation where it's not peaceful. It's what it looks like to not have a big internet rant because of a certain topic, or to make sure that we are, are in a position of righthood versus a position of making a difference. This is what it looks like in today's society, to navigate these lanes where it is not popular or comfortable to say you follow Jesus and to demonstrate what it is as a witness through the power of the Holy Spirit at your back to express what we know and what you know. That's all you have to do. And say, this is what God has done in my life. This is what God has done in those around me's life. And this is what I know. It's not about taking them to a gathering or a church. It's about going out into the places and being with the people, expressing what the kingdom of God looks like in your life. And knowing that the Holy Spirit is at your back. (coughs) You know, it may be in... I just want to open it up just as a consideration. It may be in bars. It could be in clubs. It could be on the street corner. It could be in the locker uh, locker rooms. It could be in uh, break rooms at work. It could be in... Uh, At the end of the afterglow meetings that you might have, expressing what God has done in your life. To be that example, that light into the darkness where it is uncomfortable to talk about Jesus. That is where we are called to. That today is possibly the most ends of the earth it can be. And I'm here telling you, buddy, I'm telling you, friends, this is an amazing space. It's like, again, like it's like fire. I'm going to ask John to come down. He's going to. Like for us, we're gonna pray in a second. But look at this way: like fire. What, how does fire move? Fire moves by two things. It moves by the wind that blows it, the taking it its direction, and it also attaches to every dry piece of something that it possibly can have to find flame. So for us, if we're listening to this commission from Jesus, is that we allow the Holy Spirit to be the wind to guide us where to go, to those places that we may not understand or see. But they need Jesus where they are. And what we're going to find there is a very dry place. And when we walk in there, as that fire, we're going to catch it. And it's going to spread, my friends. This is how we do it. And I believe this is how Love Chapel Hill does it. This is why we're very intentionally positioned when we gather right here. In the heart of this city, trying to be that fire in the midst of it. But I want you to know this when we at the end of every service, what we say. We say, go and love chapel, go wherever you are with the heart of Jesus. This is that part of the ascending from this place as positions of fire and warmth and light from the Holy Spirit to go to those dry places to set it out. It's like a reverberation of of sound. John's playing right now. It's like that reverberation. You hit the string, it just echoes, it echoes, it echoes. It's not our job to catch the whole room. Just find that one dry place and let the Holy Spirit burn from there. Yeah. That is our challenge. This is what Ascension Sunday brings us. This is our commission. This is, this is our mission. I want to create a space here. I want to ask you a question. It's going to be different for everyone here. If you are a follower of Jesus... Where are those places? Who are those people that you can get to to bring the fire? Who are those places? Who are those people? I'm gonna ask you right now if you don't mind, just everyone here bow our heads, and as you just kind of, as John just plays, just just listen to the sound, and just ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to those places. And maybe that you have that place already in your heart and already in your mind. Pray for those people. If you don't have that, ask the Holy Spirit to send you to those places. I'm just going to invite that right now. That commission today, to go into that all the world and bring the gospel as a witness, telling what you know, what God has done. And encourage you also to grow and know more, to be discipled, to bring even more information, to bring more of that experience to others. But keep those people in your hearts. Don't lose that. You need to write it down when you go home today. You put it in your phone, put it in front of you, write it on your mirror as you're getting ready in the morning. Have that people in place in mind. And know this, that the Holy Spirit is with you and working through you and empowering you to say and do the right things. All you have to do is tell them what you know. Now we are uh, being in Chapel Hill, a college town that we love and adore. Last week we just had graduation. This is the first Sunday when... All our students, well, most of our students, have now gone on to what they're going to do this summer, and we miss them. And we also know in August, this place is just going to be boom and full of energy, and this summer is just kind of a lower energy space. We love that. We embrace that as a church and as a community. One of the uh, actions of that is we do have students that come and go, whether it's undergrad or grad students. And we are often sending folks to other places. Recently, I've heard, you know, we were sharing with some of our undergraduates just a, a few weeks ago at, around the fire. It was beautiful. And they were expressing the things that they learned in their time here, seeing that they felt like church can look different in other places. And I love that. And, they're, and, and I hear in their hearts, like, well, I'd love to stay. I'd love to experience this, but I am called to go. And one of the things that we tell them always is saying, well, what you have learned here, what God has done within you here, you're going to take this and you're going to go. You're going to take that there, and you're going to make that possible there. Again, be that fire. Tell them what you know. And Be that. Well, my friends today, and I'm just going to try not to be too emotional here, but we have another one. I'm going to let my friend Amanda come down. And uh, Justin's going to come too. We're going to, we're going to pray over her, but Amanda has been, well, she likes, I'm going to say it this way, because I like how she expresses it. This is the last week that she's going to be a resident of Chapel Hill not uh, not leaving but just we're not going to see each other. Don't be, if you, if you if you miss Amanda, it might be times to come Wednesday morning to prayer yeah. on Zoom. You might still be able to see her face if you miss Amanda a little bug there for coming on Wednesdays. But Amanda this is a space where you're going to be sent out. You're going to be commissioned. I know I've heard your heart we are sharing. You're feeling a heart to Connect back at your own. Day. And I really believe 100% that the things that you've experienced here, and you even shared this morning, that when you got here to Low Chapel, you were one way, and now you were another. And I love everything God has done in your life, but you know what? Now you get to take that to others in Massachusetts, and I wholeheartedly believe that the Holy Spirit is with you, and you're going to be be students. There's going to be family, there's going to be people who are one way and now they're another because they heard your story and what you've grown in this place. And that's how it works. Look for those dry places of the window. You and bring that fire. Bring the Holy Spirit to that space. And I'm going to look forward to hearing the many stories of what God has done in your life. We are so thankful for you. Justin, I'm going
0: to keep talking, so I'm just going to pass it over. <laughs> If we keep talking long enough, then you'll just stay. Well, y'all, I do want to invite each of you um, who have been a part of Amanda's journey with us to gather around her in prayer. We're gonna lay hands on her and and commission her to send her out. As you all come, just, um, just look at the guy who invited her is here. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Nice. 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 Yeah, yeah, Gathering yeah. yeah, close. It's, it's a tight step. There life and impacts on this church community, we just celebrate that they will continue to be told for the weeks, months, years to come as an inspiration, God, for your work in her life the ways that you have invited her to be a part of what you are doing. Present. What an inspiration Amanda has been to each of us to be present, to come and pursue a doctoral program and to see it to completion, but to hear your call through it all, not to invest in the lives of people to pour out your goodness, to pour out your love to anyone who is within her reach. And as you call her back to her hometown and to a school to reach the lives of children that we, we can already imagine, the ways that you are going to continue to move through her, the ways that you have equipped her and empowered her to be a vessel of your goodness, of your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for the beauty of family, the beauty of relationship in this place, God, that as we get to commission Amanda to send her out, she will always, always be a part of this family. And the hope that we have of journeying together in life everlasting. So, God, we celebrate all that you are doing, all the ways that you. Touching the hearts and lives of each person gathered here. That we join with you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amanda, we commission you to go to tell your story, to be a witness to that which God has done in your life. We send you to love with the heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I pray that Amanda's story is an encouragement to you to invest in the, the present and the here and now. That whether you are in this place for a season, whether you are here for another week or another month or a couple of years, God wants to work in and through you in this place in the ways that Joel has, has just so beautifully articulated this morning, that you get to be a vessel of the story of God. So I pray that as, as we celebrate Amanda and the way that she has been engaged, even in, in the core team and leadership of our church family, as a faithful member of the communications team and leading us each week in the call to worship, being in one of the most amazing discipleship bands that um, the earth has ever known. <laughs> you know, there is a place for you there's a place for you to serve and as amanda goes we know that others will come and so that invitation is open to you if you were looking for a way to be involved we'll talk to you more about that in a little bit but um, just know that there is a place for you amanda we love you always and forever absolutely well
1: And Jesus is sending a commission, but this is for the world, for everything. And we remember what he did on the cross to make it possible for restoration. The night before he was taken to be killed, he had a last moment, a meal with his disciples, the ones he was going to send out to go to these hard places, to navigate these challenging roads. He had a moment, he shared a meal with them. And we have the honor to be able to remember that meal. And I want to express that today, for any of you today who are feeling a calling to go to a place. That this table is not just for us who are commissioned and called, but it's for everyone. No seats are empty, all seats are available. And so today we also remember what Jesus did for us and to know that this bread representing his life broken is for everyone, his body, his sacrifice is for all. And that the blood that he had shed to wash away the sins, remember he is in that position as the conquering king, but a conquering king over sin and death. And by his blood that we are Step three, that we, our sins are washed away. So friends, I'm going to encourage you, as we do every week, to come to the table. All are welcome. No matter where you are, what you did last night, what you did this morning, what's heavy in your heart, you are welcome at this table. Uh, for those of you who are just going to start on this side of the room, or come down to Amanda and A.J. are going to serve you. you, get to have a moment with Amanda if you'd like, and after you get your bread and your cup, just come around this way in the front and come back to your seats. Caleb, would you mind leading the way and as the front rows and just kind of exit as you go? And